You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. So today is the final week of Tarantino month, and we had to end it off with Django Unchained. Now, Django Unchained, let me just preface this, is a movie that I have seen 10 times, probably, even more at this point. I love this movie, and I think we've talked about that before, but the real reason why we're doing Tarantino month is because of my co-host, because he had previously not seen any Tarantino films. And so we've struck out with uh, at least one, gotten a little bit better on the next, definitely listen to those episodes, and finally, last week, we had a winner with you. Now, I'm very interested to see what you thought of this film, being as it's a more contemporary Tarantino venture, came out 11 years ago, and uh, stars quite the cast, and it is definitely an over-the-top movie, one could say. But before we get too far into that, that is what we are talking today. Django Unchained, starring Jamie Foxx and uh, Christoph Waltz. I'm going to go ahead and go into the details here. So Django Unchained, as I mentioned before, this was released on December 11th, 2012. So uh, also on Christmas Day in the United States, interestingly enough. And I think I do remember that. This was obviously directed by Quentin Tarantino. Stars Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kerry Washington, Samuel L. Jackson, Walton Goggins, Dennis Christopher, and quite a few other people in supporting roles but this film was made on a budget of 100 million dollars and it made 426 million at the box office as a return now this film is definitely it caught controversy for sure uh because of its themes and we're going to learn a little bit more about its themes in the synopsis and as we talk through it but um this movie definitely has its ardent fans and it has its I wouldn't say ardent detractors, but this one caused controversy because, like I said before, this film is uh, very extreme in many circumstances. And the title alone probably helps with understanding what may happen in the movie. However, let's go ahead and get into the synopsis before we dive further in. Okay, okay. So two years before the Civil War, Django, played by Jamie Foxx, a slave, finds himself accompanying an unorthodox German bounty hunter named Dr. King Schultz played by Chris, Christoph Waltz, on a mission to capture the vicious Brittle brothers. Their mission successful, Schultz frees Django, and together they hunt the South's most wanted criminals. Their travels take them to the infamous plantation of shady Calvin Candy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, where Django's long-lost wife, Mary Washington, is still a slave. All right, there we have it. So, from the synopsis alone, you know this takes place in a time where America was not nearly as progressive, and there was a lot. Um, there was a lot of racial discrimination. Um, in great Tarantino fashion, he can take an injustice and add a sweet twist of revenge to it. And essentially, that is what this movie is—a giant revenge film. And that's going to be the surface level of what we talk about before just kind of going into how we watched it. But yeah, I really want to know what you thought of this movie because. I feel like on so many levels, so much of this is so satisfying to you, but 
it's also so over the top and intense in many ways. I think it also has traits of maybe pulp fiction that you wouldn't have liked, especially in terms of language. So before uh, we talk about what we thought of the movie, how did you go in watching this and how many uh, how many sittings did you watch it in? So I went in, you and your brother, I think, especially Luke, your brother, ha- have said that this is this is the best of the four that we watched, or the favorite of the four that we've watched. Mm-hmm. And so, I, frankly, I went into it with great expectations, which, you know, is always problematic, I would say, because if you have low expectations or high expectations, you know, one thing leads to the other. Um I saw it over the course of two days. I want you to know that I watched, started watching it late on um, Friday night after I got home from a business trip, and I was really tired, and I made it about 20 minutes, and I thought, you know what? This is not doing this movie any justice. I'm tired. I just need to go to sleep. So I got up the next morning, and I started watching it, and I have to tell you, and this is not a commentary on what I'm going to say about how I feel about the movie, but it took me all day to watch it. I watched it for 10 minutes and then I got distracted, not distracted, but I had other things to do and I wanted to watch it in large chunks of time, but it ultimately never turned out that way until I think I I watched the last hour. Um, So for me, it was a little bit of a different viewing experience because one, I wanted to see it on a regular television rather than on my phone because I didn't want to watch this, you know, while I was traveling on such a small screen. But it took me a while to get through this movie. But it only took me a while to get through this movie because I knew I had the day to do it. And I had a lot of other things to do. So I was going to sort of devote my time to it after I had accomplished some other things. Does that make any sense? It Most does. people like to watch a movie in one setting, but you know, not me. I can watch it in 10. And I think it, I probably did watch it in 10. It makes sense for you because I know that you can do stuff like that and not have uh-huh. it really take away from the film but to be honest i can't imagine how you would be able to really get the full weight of it just by watching it in 10 minute segments um you would be a great well, i have to tell you i have to tell you real quickly that at one point i had a i had an appointment i had to be at at two o'clock mm-hmm. and it was at a point in time that i thought to myself First of all, this is the worst timing ever. And second of all, Noah Sizer will never forgive me when I tell him when I had to stop it. Um, um, I know. I'll, I'll get to that into spoilers. So, All right. All right. Um, well, yeah. Ten minute uh, time span. Sounds like uh, you would be a great Quibi uh, customer. I have long said that Quibi made the most sense to me, but obviously not to, you know, the general public. The general public. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, yes, this movie is two hours and 45 minutes. And Grace and I- And I'm going to say to you that I'm, uh, without telling you how I feel about this movie, I'm going to say to you that of all the the four Quentin Tarantino films that I have now seen, this felt the longest. It just felt long. Well, imagine if you were to sit down and watch it in two or three settings. If you watch a two-hour and 45-minute movie and 10-minute settings, then it's going to feel like war and peace, okay? So maybe that's maybe that's why it was, but it was on the longer side. Regardless, um, to your point, Grace and I started watching this at like 7, I think, last Sunday. And, uh, well, it was like 11.30 by the time we finished. I don't really know how, but it, it's definitely on the longer side. And... Um, I think we took like a break in between, but we watched it kind of like all in one go. Like we were Uh maybe somebody like came over and we were chatting with them for a while. I I don't really. Anyway. So uh, yeah, 
we got this uh, all done in one go. I remember every single scene. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, film, in my opinion. And, you know, Max walked in and he was like, oh, are you guys watching Django Unchained? And we're like, yeah. And it was Grace's first time watching it. And he said, oh, this one's so good. It's my favorite of all the Tarantino movies. So I, much like Max, my opinion on the film is that it is excellent. I think really it does an amazing job of being so extreme in some instances and hard to watch. But at the same time, it's sensitive subject matter like this is not made to make you feel comfortable. And I think a lot of the time you can look back on this time period and say that was a bad thing and then move on. It wasn't just a bad thing. And I know this is fictionalized, but in my opinion, just the horrendous nature of slavery and the treatment of, you know, different people was just so so extreme and i think a lot of people just think you know slavery was bad but they don't realize just how ugly it is on its face and i think this movie did a really good job of showing how ugly it was and how ugly people could be uh to one another and treat one another i mean my goodness i like i said i've watched this many times over the years and i think this time i felt that impact a lot more and like tarantino uh does very well I really enjoyed the aspect of sweet, sweet justice here. So I think there's a lot of good things going on. Everybody turns in an excellent performance. And I think Christoph Waltz is excellent. And the fact that he can play the main villain of the one movie and then the main hero of another or one of the main protagonists. So personally, I, I think it's a great movie. Jamie Foxx, I think this is the role of his career and he does an excellent job as well. I'd like to see him in more stuff, even though he pops up in quite a bit of movies, but yeah, I I think this movie is fantastic. I really think it is. What do you think? Um, I'm going to tell you that I really, uh, first of all, I want to say this. You commented earlier that um, society is more progressive now um, than obviously when this this film is depicted. I, I'm not going to call it progressive. I'm going to I'm going to say that um, uh, civility and human respect is not progressive. Civility and human respect is expected and should be. Um, common in any culture in any society and um so I, I, because i agree with you i mean it is hard to watch um i really liked this film a lot i i like this film a lot more today than i did yesterday while watching it and that is somewhat a commentary on how difficult it is to watch but you know one of the things i've learned about quentin tarantino who i really wish would not put himself in his films because i just don't really think he's all that of an actor and it's basically an ego thing um is that he uh he has a pretty strong moral compass and i appreciate that uh because as i said yesterday or last week in our episode about inglorious bastards that i really appreciated i appreciate vengeance mm-hmm. i appreciate recognition that bad people should get theirs and and in quentin tarantino films bad people get theirs. And I really like that. And that's what I don't think I, that's what I think I didn't like about um, Pulp Fiction. I, I, none of it made it, there was no, in my opinion, there was no story to that film. The line, there is a story to the subsequent three films. Everybody's Uh, a bad person in that film. Some are worse than others. And some people, okay. Yeah. And okay, exactly, Noah. And for me, then nobody had any redeeming value. And I didn't care if any of them lived or died. And frankly, was disappointed that they lived. So I mean, that's just my take on, I mean, you can make bad choices, and not be a bad person. 
But some of these films really depict the most horrific choices that a human being can choose. Mm -hmm. And if they are not subject to consequences, then it's hard for me to appreciate. I'll just say it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly you get you get double the vengeance mm-hmm. which you should get yeah. in Jekyll Unchained yeah <laughs> because these people are so horrible um and it's just really a, a very sobering viewing experience um on on many levels i i really liked the the, the story uh the acting i thought was was good across the board as you said i think christoph waltz is just amazing because i thought the same exact thing he was the the antagonist in in uh, Inglorious Bastards. He's the protagonist here, and he's just so doggone good. And you can clearly see that Quentin Tarantino really looks for an opportunity to employ the guy because he's just he did win two Academy Awards, one for Inglorious Bastards and one for uh, Django Unchained. And I'm very glad he did. And I did think um, Jamie Fox grew on me in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, overall, I thought it was a really really strong film. So that's my take on. Django Unchained. Well, great to hear. And I guess my final question about this is, did you like this or Inglorious Bastards better? I like Inglorious Bastards better. Gotcha. And and I think the reason I say that is because, again, of my expectations. I really, you know, I didn't know what Inglorious Bastards, I didn't know what, what, what Django Unchained was about, honestly, until I, you know, explored it a little bit further. But I think it was because Inglorious Bastards for me was a bit of a surprise. Um, I did not expect it to be as outstanding as it was, mm-hmm. but this one I did have great expectations for, and it it did met, it met those expectations, but it just was a different approach to the film. So I like these both a lot, and you're gonna I'm gonna end up giving it the same grade I gave in Glorious Bastards. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Well, sounds like uh, you just gave a little bit of a spoiler for the end. Right? I did, I did. That's there totally you go. Fine. Keep listening, listeners. All right. Uh, So, yeah, with that said, we've both given our opinions. Let's go ahead and get into spoilers. So we'll give the usual spoiler warning by saying this is where you stop if you do not want to hear spoilers. If you have not seen this movie and you would like to go ahead and watch it and then come back and then compare your opinion with our own. If you do not care at all, then you can keep listening on to our spoiler filled section. But just know that as of this moment, you have been warned. Okay. What do you got? Um, so th- there's a, there's just a, a lot to say. I'm trying to think. You know, last week you asked me what my favorite scene and my least favorite scene was. This is what I would say about this film. Um, what what was a little surprising and different for me. Whereas Inglorious Bastards, and I hate to compare the films because this is you know intended to be a review and a discussion about one film. Sure. But whereas Inglorious Bastards, sort of. Um, uh, grows to a conclusion, uh, an explosive conclusion, no pun intended, mm. and you get that. In Django Unchained, you get multiple conclusions. And I think that for me was a little bit of a, of a not a disappointment, but it was like, oh, we've already had a final scene or what feels like a final sort of experience. And then and then we don't. We have more story to tell, which I was grateful for because I was enjoying it and I really wanted all the people to get theirs. Mm. But um, I just felt like it felt a little um little bloated because we got more than one uh 
conclusion or crescendo. No, one conclusion, but two crescendos. Right. That's, that's possible. And to address that, that's kind of where my biggest quote unquote problem with the film has always lied. Um, in my head, I always remembered that initial shootout after Calvin Candy um, and the dentist dies as somewhat of the final scene and then he blows up Candyland. But actually, I forgot about that 20 minute scene where he's going to be shipped off to that mining company. And obviously, you know, he's hanging upside down. That's the classic Tarantino scene that is too long for its own good. Yeah, absolutely. And so I remember that scene is in there, but I forgot where it fit in. And for sure, the main antagonists and one of the main protagonists are dead 35 to 40 minutes before the movie is truly done. And yeah, I think that's where it kind of feels like it takes a small dip. And part of me wonders, because that section of the movie, it makes sense that he probably couldn't have taken down an entire plantation of, you know, an entire plantation of farmhands and, you know, workers and stuff like that all in one go. But at the same time, Tarantino in the subsequent um, scene inserts himself in there. And I wonder if Tarantino rewrote or wrote that specifically so that he could be in there rather than out of necessity. Because on the one hand, it makes sense that he probably couldn't have taken out every single person and around the plantation. But I don't know. That scene definitely slows things down a little bit. And it's right at the end. I feel like the movie is just moving blazing speed. And then after that initial shootout, it kind of takes a bit of a dip and then it goes back. It's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But it also is, it, it sticks out so much in terms of the progression and pacing of the film uh, comparatively to all the other scenes. So I know, I know yeah, what you're yeah. saying with that part. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I would say is, and this is, this is very unpopular. I am just not a Leo DiCaprio fan. Was he fine in this? Yes. But Leo DiCaprio plays Leo DiCaprio in every film, in my opinion. And so I was quite delighted that he didn't show up for the first hour. And I was quite pleased that he, he met his demise before the last 45 minutes. So, you know, he's only in it for about an hour then. And that's fine with me. Personally, I just disagree. <laughs> Look, I'm not a Leonardo DiCaprio okay. super fan, but I've seen so many movies with him and he does have range. And I think it's hard to say, I think it's hard. Um, I think it's hard to say that he plays Leonardo DiCaprio because he's the Wolf of Wall Street. He's in The Aviator. He's in Titanic, which I don't like, but he gives a good performance in. He's a great Calvin, film. Yeah, he's Calvin Candy and Django Unchained. He's in The Departed. I mean, he plays so many different people. And personally, yeah, some of them are kind of riding the line of gray on the moral compass and everything, or just an extremely evil villain, which I think this was one of his first truly villainous roles. I think he's really talented. Um, and I think when somebody does something so well for so long, it kind of seems like they play the same. It's like Matthew McConaughey, right? But he's actually, he actually has pretty decent range. Um, so I can totally respect that, that uh, perspective. I just think that I think Leo DiCaprio goes to the right parties in Hollywood and hangs out with the right people. I think that's absolutely and right. Has, and has a level of talent. I mean, he's not, he's not untalented. I mean, he's, you know, he's got an Oscar and he's, mm. but he's just, you know, he's Leo DiCaprio, right? He's yeah, kind sure. of in a and category. That's, of that's totally fine. I've seen performances from people that were perfectly great, but I wasn't blown away for 
one reason or the other. So that makes sense. But um, you're familiar with that little fun fact, right? When he smashes the dinner table and um, his hand starts bleeding. I know the scene. What's the fun fact? That actually happened in real life. He cut his hand on the glass and he kept going. Oh, so it wasn't written into the script. Right. Which is... Uh, well, that's interesting to hear because when he does it, it's it's almost like, oh, I didn't realize that happened until mm-hmm. you see his... So that's, that's... I did not know that fun fact. That is a fun fact. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's a really famous like piece of trivia from the movie. And a lot of people have given him praise for that. But yeah, there's clearly a lot of monologuing in this movie. But for the most part, I think it's really cool that one of the characters, obviously Christoph Waltz's character, he can play an evil German um, in, you know, the 1940s, but he can play um, a good version of a German in the 1850s. And I think that's kind of that's interesting how that all falls together. But one of my favorite parts about this movie is when he's telling that fairy tale and German folklore Um, and Django's kind of imagining himself as being part of it mm-hmm. when he's saving his wife. And you, you'll you see when he's actually going over there, he's talking about the trials and everything. There's something that represents a dragon, a pit of fire that he walks through. Mm-hmm. He's scaling, he's like scaling his way to Candyland to infiltrate uh, the place and then rescue his wife. So I, I think that's, that's really fun. And Tarantino does that kind of schlocky, like little feel good, almost too on the nose type of like, deliverance in movies really really well so I, I was definitely a fan of that and i think jamie fox does a good job of him not just being this amazingly skilled guy like from the from the outset he learns with the bounty honey businesses you can see him changing and practicing over the seasons and he's not just instantaneously instantaneously some sharpshooter who you know can take out like an entire group of people he was trained as a bounty hunter and that's why you see his character have some progression there so i do appreciate that it's not just like he's this ultimate hero from the start there is a hero's journey to an extent but he learns a lot of it from um uh christoph waltz's character and that's eventually passed on to him and he becomes unchained for that reason so he's he's excellent can we talk about samuel l jackson in this film (laughs) yeah yeah the uh, yeah, he was um, uh, he was the house slave, right? He was, yes. Right. What did you think? You know. That? So, again, unpopular opinion. Not a fan of Samuel L. Jackson. Um, don't what? think he is. Wait, just wait. Okay. Don't think he's any different in any other film except for this one. He actually, I thought, acted in this film because on all the rest of them, he's just playing Samuel L. Jackson in snakes on a plane or phantom menace or or whatever um so i don't know i just think that i thought this showed his acting ability or at least for me and i appreciated that i mean he was just a horrible character and i absolutely loved his demise oh yeah i have to say to you that the explosion of Candyland was one of the most satisfying film experiences I may have ever had because that place was wrought with horrible people mm-hmm. who just needed to be removed from the face of the earth. Oh my <laughs> and- God. That was uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things. When, well, he obviously kneecaps uh, Samuel L. Jackson twice. And um, he's saying, you know, how many, how many people, have you like how many people have you seen come into this place? Seven thousand, eight thousand, nine thousand, nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. 
you were you were right about one thing, even if you're wrong about everything else. It's like I am that one guy in ten thousand, and that's such a cool line. And there are a lot of good lines in this. Yeah, he just blows he just blows the place up. And uh, what was that really great one? I can't remember what the sister's name was. We'll just call her Miss Hilly. And he's like, say bye to Miss Hilly, and then she's like, bye oh, Miss Hilly. And that, he just that was my very favorite scene in the film when he shoots her and she flies. Yeah, she's like, yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> I have that to admit funny. that I rewound that. Uh, I you know I took it back because I wanted to see it again. <laughs> there yeah, were actually. And I think that's a testament to a film when there are scenes that you want to revisit and you can do that at home. Mm-hmm. I took it back a few times, which is part of my delayed viewing experience because I was like, oh, I want to see that again. Yeah. Um, Tarantino has this affinity for explosive uh, shooting, right? I mean, when I, all shooting is explosive, but when when bullets hit people in non-Tarantino films, they just fall over dead. But when a bullet hits you in a Tarantino film, you explode with blood and plasma. Yeah. And <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, I mean, we're just talking about the original, uh, the original shootout and everything. That one guy who's just laying down on the ground, since the rifles are inaccurate, he'll get hit a, a couple times in the crossfire. And, you know, there's just Django's hiding behind like a dead body and just blood and guts and viscera are just flying all around and it's it's stylized is what it is and it's, it's totally stylized it's an homage to spaghetti westerns um yes. which tarantino is very very much a fan of um a, another one of my favorites from him the hateful eight that's uh heavily inspired by that and uh there's many aspects of westerns and um peppered across his films as well um uh, but i just and obviously in once upon a time in hollywood there was a great sense of that as well um but because one of the characters goes to Italy to be in spaghetti Westerns. So yeah, it, it's cool to see his, his realization of the execution of his vision is so clear in all of his movies. And I think that it's so hard as a director to not only get the budget to, but to be trusted, to be able to do that every single, every single time around. And even if you don't love Tarantino films, and I think you've come around on a few of them at the very least. I have no doubt. You can really respect that the man makes the movies he wants to make, and he doesn't apologize for that. It's so clear what he wanted to do. He was able to, like, he wrote it, he directed it, he chose the people for it, and every film to him is like his is his magnum opus. I feel like you know what I'm saying. It's it's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to describe, but it's. He always makes a film with intention, and I really appreciate that. Even if you can't enjoy the content, I think that's the number one thing to remember for this month is Tarantino is a visionary filmmaker, not just because he's popular and because his movies are, you know, make a lot of money. It's because the guy himself, he is a true artist, and I think that he just knows exactly what he wants behind the camera, and he's able to do that. So I've appreciated that through his films. And uh, not many directors have such a voice that comes through their movies. And well, he's I think apologetic what, about it for better or for worse. But that's what makes Tarantino Tarantino. Yeah, I think that's a good way of, of saying what I was going to say is that this is someone who has been uh, successful in creating very, very different stories, all with similar themes, except for Pulp Fiction, which made no sense. But anyway, um, I just think that thematically – Especially in the last two, Glorious Bastards and, and Django Unchained, um, they couldn't be more different, but they're mm-hmm. good stories, and that's what I think. I said this last week in Inglorious that he has developed. He's developed as a storyteller over mm-hmm. time, and I appreciate that. And when he releases his tenth and final film, 
I just might be interested in going to the theater to watch it. So see what you've done to me, Noah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth. I think it's worth uh, doing, and we can actually watch it together that time as well. But, that would be um, good. Yeah, whenever that comes, not sure when it will be, but uh, his cycle is usually three to four years, so we will see. Yeah, well, we haven't had one since um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? But that was because yeah. we had COVID, and yeah, that was 2019. So I guess it's a little bit difficult, but you know, uh, basically, it's pretty much three year cycles for the most part. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm really excited to uh i'm really excited to uh go ahead and see what's next because halloween's coming up and that includes well, before we do that we have to grade this one out yeah um yeah i give Django unchained uh probably say i love this movie it's so rewatchable for me but this time it was really really intense for me in a way that i hadn't recognized before but i think that's important I I think I am going to give it five Z's because it's one of my favorite movies. It's just an excellent film all around. Even if there's a slight bump here and there, it's so rewatchable. I never have a problem going back. So I'm going to give it four Z's. I um I almost considered giving it three and a half, but I think upon a re- reflective, you know, uh, period of time, I'm I'm going to give it four Z's. I liked it quite a bit. Um, you know, it, Noah. I, one more question though: Is this a movie that could be made today? Good question. Um, you know, it really didn't come out that long ago, but I felt like it came out right at the end of when you could really do something that extreme. That's my feeling too. I mean, it is it is a rough watch. It is a rough watch, and the language it, it, you and you know what I'm referring to when I say the language, the the derogatory, yep. horrifically yep. derogatory terminology that is, uh, you know, used repeatedly here. Mm-hmm. You know, within the context of the film. But anyway. So yeah, that's what I'm getting it. So thank you for uh, Quentin Tarantino month. It has been um, a long one, an interesting one, and a uh, steady climb. And I appreciate the, the last two in particular. All right. Well, maybe you'll watch The Hateful Eight, Jackie Brown, uh, Reservoir Dogs, or uh, one of the other ones, The Kill Bill movies. Yeah, there's, fl- there's five others. No, I'm not going to watch The Kill Bill movies. All right. That's totally fine. Okay, so um, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's keep checking out for today and just tell everybody what we're doing for next month. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, October is almost here. We are recording this on Sunday, September 24th, which means that this will air on uh, Wednesday, the 27th. And that means that uh, October is, we are going to go back to, to horror movie month. But the theme will be horror movies that neither Noah, well, that's not true for all of them, but mostly mm-hmm. horror movies that, we are visiting for the first time that most people have seen. So next week, we're going to do Rosemary's Baby. Also included in the month of October will be, wait for it, um, Friday the 13th, the original, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, and Halloween, the original, because unbelievably, neither Noah nor I have seen the original films from those those uh, those trilogies. So anyway. I've seen the sequels, though, or at least I've seen a lot of the sequels. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. And with that in mind, we do thank you for sticking with us for another week. And if you stuck with us for the whole month of Tarantino, thank you so much for that. You have learned a lot. I learned a lot about Quentin Tarantino, about Noah and about me. Absolutely. Um, and it, it's it's good because I think one of the important things about this podcast is um, trying out new things, not only just being able to talk to each other about movies, but if I can get you to experience like some kind of element of uh, popular cinema that you hadn't seen before, 
now you've seen four Tarantino films and you know exactly what he does and what you like and what you don't like about his movies. I'm glad we're able to do that. Yeah, 100%. All right. Well, uh, with that in mind, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Until then, I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is Easy Talk. And we've got about six seconds before we go black. So I'll call you real quick. All right.